This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back for another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. I have a great show planned for you today, but first a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. If you like the show, I'd love if you leave us a five-star review and subscribe. You can also find me on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports. That's where I post my musings on the world of college sports as well as my picks. Hot streak last week, this week back down to earth a little bit, but we're going to try to get back on track with a big weekend here. So stay tuned to Gorgon Sports on Twitter where you can find all of that. Okay, let's get into it. It's your weekend college hoops preview. Going to really focus on one game this weekend, but before we get into that, Where we're going, we don't need roads. That's right. We're going back to the future. That's our new segment we're going to do every week along with our weekend college hoops preview. It's the back to the future segment where we look ahead to all of the future bets in the world of college basketball. I give you my thoughts. I give you my opinions. And most importantly, I tell you which futures I've actually placed my real hard-earned money on. So let's dive into it, shall we? And let's start with the bets that I've already made, recapping some of the bets I've already made. And the only future that I have on the books that I've talked about on this show is Tennessee at plus 200 to win the SEC. And just a good reminder, this is a good place to remind everybody, definitely check what your book's rules are as far as conference regular season winner rules. Because, like, on FanDuel, for example, if two teams tie, if they're co-regular season champions, the bets will be settled based on whichever team is awarded the top conference seed. So it might be important to check some of those tiebreaker scenarios. Every book is different with how they do this. So definitely make sure you are checking house rules, which whatever, uh, whichever book you play at. So I am in on Tennessee at plus 200. I thought it was a good time to buy low on the Vols after losing as a double-digit favorite at home to an under underachieving Kentucky team. And uh, I, I still think that it's now up to plus, now it's plus 185 on the Vols. That's maybe in part because Alabama, the other team, the main competitor, the the favorite in this conference now at minus 220 had a really good week. They crushed Vanderbilt. I was a Vanderbilt better this week. Backed, uh, backed the Commodores. Didn't work out very well. Alabama's offense looks like a juggernaut right now. And, and their defense is significantly better. Or their defense is significantly better than it was a season ago. But I still think they have a tendency when they go cold to everything is kind of out of sorts. Once they go cold, everything falls apart for them, as we've seen in years past. And I just trust Tennessee's defense more than I trust Alabama's offense to carry them every game, game in and game out, at the plus 200 odds, or now plus 185 odds for Tennessee, compared to minus 220 for Alabama. So I like Alabama. They deserve, I think at this point, they deserve to be the favorite in the conference based on the way they're playing. But I think some of those other factors make me 
make me lean towards the Vols, and and that's why I've invested at that plus 200, already down to plus 185 now. So we'll keep an eye on that one throughout the rest of the season. Let's move on to some of the additional bets that I've placed since Sunday, and these are a couple that I, I put in on Wednesday, or uh, Thursday, rather. So let's go to the Big East, and if you look at the Big East standings, you will find that Xavier is on top of the league, just dropped their first game Wednesday night, losing um, an unexpected one to DePaul. So they're 7-1, and one. Xavier, the first loss of, conference loss of the season, 7-1, and one, followed by Marquette at 7-2, and two, just a half game back. Providence at 6-2, and two, a full game back there of Xavier. Creighton, 5-3. and three. Seton Hall, 5-4, and four, moving ahead of UConn, who they defeated on Wednesday night. Uh, and the Huskies are four and five after starting the year 14 and 0, 3 and 0 in conference. Now 15 and 5, 4 and 5 in the conference. A tough couple weeks there for the Huskies of Storrs, Connecticut. So I think if you've listened to me for a while, you might know where I'm might know where I'm going here once I read these odds off. Xavier, the favorite, minus 115. Makes sense. They have a one game lead, half game lead in the conference over Marquette. Marquette, a half game back, plus 185. Then you have Creighton at plus 500. And then you have Providence at plus 1,400. 14 to 1, despite being just a game back of Xavier for that number one spot in the conference. So I have invested in Providence. I think it's a great time to buy low on Providence. They've just dropped two back-to-back games and two back-to-back games to Creighton and Marquette. They're both road games, both tough teams, and they were both tough games. It's not like they went out there and got blown out in these games. The advanced analytics still don't love Providence, which is certainly part of the reason why you're able to get 14 to 1 on this team, but I think at those odds, it's worth a shot. They've been competitive against everybody they've played. They've beaten Marquette this season. They've beaten UConn this season. And I mean, it, look, it's college basketball. You drop games on the road. It's nothing to to sneeze at dropping games to Creighton and Marquette on the road. Uh, that's something that a lot of teams would do. It's also warrants mentioning that the Friars have been without uh, without one of their guards, Jared Bynum, over the last three games. So for two of those losses, guard Jared Bynum didn't play. He's one of the senior leaders on this team. Um, important part of of this team. So I like the Friars at 14 to 1. Those odds are really hard to pass up and it doesn't mean that they are necessarily should be the favorite to win this conference. It doesn't mean they will win this conference, but I think as close and tightly packed as this league is, we saw it on Wednesday night with DePaul taking down Xavier. A lot of crazy things can happen in this league. These teams are a lot of good teams. They're all tightly packed. They're all of similar talent level now that Villanova has kind of come back to the pack. So why not take a shot halfway-ish through the conference season on a team that's half a game out of first place, or I'm sorry, a game out of first place, rather, has already beaten the team directly ahead of it, and maybe most importantly, has the easiest remaining conference strength of schedule of any team in the league. They are 11 out of 11 in remaining conference strength of schedule. So give me the Providence Friars at a big price, 14 to 1. I am in on that one officially as of today. 
Another big price I'm looking at is in the ACC. So if we move over to the ACC, we talked we talked about this league on the big show a little bit, and we said, you know, this is a league that the computers don't like, and I don't really like it either. Not a ton of great teams in this league. It is a jumbled mess from top to bottom. Virginia, standing out a little bit, for sure, when you look at some of the computer numbers. But when you look at the standings, Clemson, 7-1, and one, Virginia, Miami, Pitt, and Wake Forest, all right behind them at 6-2. and two. North Carolina, NC State, Syracuse, all at 5-3. and three. So you have basically half the league within two games of first place. And I'm looking at a big price here. So if we take a look at the odds, kind of run down the odds on this conference, you have Virginia, plus 160. You have Clemson, plus 350. Miami, plus 430. North Carolina, plus 750. Duke, which I didn't even mention is one of those teams within two games, plus 850. I think that is a wildly uh, overvalued Price there. I would not touch the Blue Devils, even though I said I thought they could be a team to make a run in the tournament, but I would not touch them for ACC regular season winner. And then you have the Pitt Panthers at plus 1,200, 12 to 1. And they are sitting just a game out of first place in this league. And that is a team, one of the teams that I am going to invest in. So the way I am playing this league right now is I did. I have bet on Virginia to win the league at plus 160. I think they are the best team in this league. Um, I think they are rightfully the favorite, but at at plus odds, you know, I I think they're worth a shot to take. Uh, And how I basically am doing this is I did a unit and a half on Virginia, and then I am going to take a half unit on Pittsburgh at 12 to 1 to win the league. And if we go back to the strength of schedule again for the ACC, Pitt 14 out of 15 in terms of strength of schedule the rest of the way, so easy schedule the rest of the way, which I really like. And then Virginia is dead last in strength of schedule. And you know, sometimes this does happen. I think it's it warrants mentioning that sometimes when you look at strength of schedule, remaining strength of schedule, good teams have a little bit easier strength of schedule because obviously you don't have to play yourself and you're a good team with a good record. So just kind of take that for for what it's worth. Uh, but when you compare it to some of the other teams like NC State, the fourth uh, best, uh, the, the fourth hardest strength of schedule, conference strength of schedule remaining. North Carolina, the third hardest. So I like that schedule of Pitt and Virginia much more. I think getting Virginia still at plus odds is 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 great. I think they're the best team in this this league. Much like Tennessee, you know, their defense always travels. But when we do think about tiebreaker scenarios, and as I mentioned on FanDuel, where I played this one, um, it goes by you only win your bet if your team gets the number one seed in a tie scenario. Pitt has beaten Virginia this year, and they will not play again. So something to keep in mind, Virginia will be favored in every one of their games the rest of the season, except for towards the end of the year, they go on the road to Chapel Hill. So uh, that's how I'm playing this ACC right now. Uh, based That's based on those numbers. Got to do a little sprinkle on Pitt at 14 to 1, and then do a little Virginia at plus 160. Okay, that is it for 
back to the future. Now let's look ahead to the weekend, and we're really going to focus on one game this weekend. The Pac-12 takes center stage, which is something that we don't say often, but it does this Saturday as UCLA travels to Tucson to take on the Arizona Wildcats in the McHale Center. And these are two teams that are really kind of going in wildly different directions at the moment. UCLA dropped back-to-back games to Illinois and Baylor in November, and they've won 13 straight games since that time. Arizona, on the other hand, has really been an inconsistent up-and-down team. They've now lost two of their last three, dropping a home game to Washington State and then dropping their most recent game on the road to Oregon. I'm recording this on Thursday, January 19th, before both teams play. Both teams do have games tonight. Arizona takes on USC at home, and UCLA takes on Arizona State on the road. Could be potential look-ahead spots, but no matter what happens, this will be the game on Saturday that I want to sit down and watch because it's not just going to be about Pac-12 supremacy or who the best team on the West Coast is, but I think UCLA is legitimately a team that could go out and win the national championship. And Arizona, I thought they were a team, a Final Four team at one point. I thought they could win a national championship at one point. They now have to go and prove that again. They need to prove that they are that caliber of team after some of the performances they've put up recently. But I think UCLA is a team that's right there at the moment. They are fourth in terms of national championship odds behind only Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. They sit at 11-1 to right now, and they are an experienced team. They have players who have been there before in Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell. Those are the two biggest names left on the team from that Final Four run a couple years ago from that Sweet 16 team last year. And more importantly than the experience, they are a really good defensive team and they take care of the basketball. There has not been a single game this season where UCLA turned the ball over more than its opponent. That's an unbelievable stat. They are seventh in the country in terms of offensive turnover percentage, and then they force a ton of turnovers defensively, forcing turnovers on on 25% of its opponent's possessions, eighth in the country. So they are really good at the math of basketball. They take care of the ball, they value the ball, they hold on to to the ball when they have it, and then they force the other team to give it up, which is a great formula. They have the fourth best defense in the country. And if you look at, as far as defensive efficiency is concerned, and if you just look at their past few games, they gave up just 50, they, they allowed Colorado to score just 54, Utah to score 49, USC to score 58, Washington to score 49. The last team to score 70 or more on the UCLA Bruins was Baylor on November 20th. They haven't allowed a a team to reach that 70-point mark since November 20th. The closest any team has come, Stanford scored 66 in an 80-66 loss, and then Washington State scored 66 in a 67-66 loss. So this is a team that can just lock down defensively and... Um, they are looking like a Final Four national championship caliber team. Now, on the flip side, you have Arizona, who, like I said, has been up and down this season. 
but they still have a lot of talent on that roster, and they still have a very good offense. Their questions really come more on the defensive side of the basketball. And I, I went back and I took a look at some of Arizona's losses. They have three losses on the year, all in Pac-12 play, and something really interesting stuck out to me. Now, Arizona typically likes to play two seven-footers or a 6'11 guy and a seven-footer on the court at the same time in Tubelis and Balo. And you would think that would mean they are locking down the paint there. Well, in their losses, that's really not been the case. In fact, in all three of their losses, they had opposing big men that really showed up and showed out. So against Utah, seven-footer Brandon Carlson put up 22 points, five rebounds. Against Washington State, 6'11", Muhammad Gay put up 24 points and 14 rebounds. And then against Oregon, 6'11", Nafali Dante, who has really come into his own, put up 22 points and 10 rebounds against the Wildcats. And that's something that's got to be really concerning when you have two seven-footers on the court, but in all of your losses, you're allowing opposing big men to really dominate you. I uh, watched, went back and watched uh, that Oregon game again, and they were putting so much pressure. The Ducks were putting so much pressure on that front court, being aggressive, attacking the basket. Oregon looked a little bit, or I'm sorry, Arizona looked a little bit confused defending the pick and roll, especially when they brought Dante out to set that ball screen, got a couple easy lobs to him. And, uh, Arizona, just the way Arizona is playing defense is really concerning right now. They are 85th in defensive efficiency in the country, 287th in turnover percentage, don't force a lot of turnovers. And, you know, it's one of these teams where you just wonder if their shot's not falling, do they have another way to win the game? When you have a team that's really aggressive and attacking the paint like Oregon did against them over the weekend, do they have another way to go out and beat you? And I think even more so, the really concerning thing in the Oregon game was, yes, the the defense wasn't good and it, and it was a problem, but the offense wasn't good either. They only put up 68 points in that game. They lost 87 to 68. And there was a while in the second half where it looked like they were, they didn't know who their go-to guy was. They didn't have somebody who could just go out and get them a bucket. And you got to remember, this is a team that lost two first-round picks off uh, off last year's teams in Dolan Terry and Benedict Matherin. These were two first-round guys. Both went in the top 20. Matherin actually having a really good season at the NBA level. I think he's around uh, 17 points per game right now in his first year with the Pacers. So, you know, you lose guys like that, you lose a lot. And it doesn't seem like they've quite found anybody to replace that production when times get tough. Courtney Ramey had a really good season for them so far, a transfer from Texas, uh, a great outside shooter shooting 40% from beyond the arc on the year, but it didn't seem like he was necessarily the answer. Kirk Creesa is a really solid player, but he did not have a great game against Oregon. Again, forcing, forcing some shots, went two of nine from three, and uh, he's just not that guy who 
you can go to when when you need a bucket. He's he's a good player. He he fit really well on that team last year, but it doesn't seem like at this point he is a guy you can just go give the ball to and say, "Hey, we need a bucket. Go do your thing." And uh, I think all of those things together are concerning for Arizona, and it makes me feel like they are are not a national championship caliber team at at this point. Looking at Ken Palm, they will probably be a three-point or so underdog to UCLA. Um, UCLA deserves to go into that game as the favorite, but it is college basketball. Weird things happen on the road. It's a rivalry game. So this might be a spot to look at UCLA. If they were to some reason lose, I don't think that would take anything away from what UCLA has accomplished. I think it's more along the lines of it's a tough road game, rivalry, rivalry game. Um, you know, maybe see if those national championship odds drop it all for UCLA because it's hard to find much to criticize about what they've done this year. And then on the flip side for Arizona, you know, if they win, if they can find a way to win, maybe that helps them build some momentum. I don't see how they win this game against UCLA without playing better on the defensive end. And, um, you know, if they can do that, then we're t- we have a different story here. But until I see that, I certainly would not feel comfortable betting Arizona in this game. I'm more just saying keep an eye out for if Arizona finds a way to win this game, take a look at those UCLA national championship odds and see what you can get on them. But it should be a fascinating one. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how UCLA reacts in that environment going on the road. They've played their last three games at home. They will go to Arizona State tonight. Like I said, I'm recording this in the afternoon, Thursday, January 19th. They're, they're going to the desert for two games against Arizona State and Arizona. Arizona State is actually the team directly behind them in the Pac-12 standings right now. UCLA 7-0, Arizona State 6-1, Arizona 4-3. So uh, we'll see how they react in two tough road environments. But right now, UCLA is looking like the clear runaway favorite for this conference, a Final Four contender, a national title contender, and Arizona has to address some of those issues, both on the defensive end and potentially finding a a go-to guy who they can just give the ball to when times get tough and say, go get a bucket. Is it Courtney Ramey? Is it Kirk Creesa? Is it one of the big men? Uh, Tabellis has, has been their best player on the year, but it's harder, like we I've talked about with Zach Eady, to really always rely on a big man to go get you a bucket because they don't have the ball in their hand all the time. So who is going to step up? Is anybody going to step up for Arizona? If they can find somebody who does, if Kirk Creesa does step up and, and he can just go get those buckets, if Courtney Ramey does step up and can do a little bit more getting to the rim than just shooting uh, beyond the arc, being a jump shooter, then we're talking about a different story with Arizona. Uh, but I haven't seen that yet, but maybe this weekend is the weekend. That's what I'm keeping an eye out for. Well, that's our show. It was a pleasure, as always, talking some college hoops with you. Brian and I will be back for our big show on Sunday. We'll recap all of the action from the College Hoops weekend, including that Arizona-UCLA game. I'll talk to you then, and until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.